many of our favorites to watch. Oh look, now they're being bashed. I guess that's what we should expect on the Bullied Nostalgia Podcast. What's up? What? What? What's going on? We're just here. Okay. <laughs> are, are you ready to start? Uh, yeah, we're ready to start. John's been replaced by a clone. <laughs> this is really weird. You're acting like every sentence you hear is a new one, so you have to repeat it back. Kai's been playing human or not, and mm-hmm. you have two minutes to figure out if the person you're chatting with is a human or AI. And it's Kai's great. trick is that AIs don't seem to remember the entire conversation. They only remember what you're talking about right now and that's what it feels like right yeah now. it does <laughs> are you guys there what's going on <laughs> they just left the room <laughs> are you guys asleep what is happening there was a fair bit of dozing while watching this movie this is only from chance i did not doze at all Chance falling asleep in one of our movies? What? What? I got up at 6 this morning and went to bed at 1 last night. Okay, okay, we we might want to record some of this on the episode. Okay, welcome everyone to Bullied Nostalgia, the TV show, nope, the podcast, where where the podcast... (laughs) Hold on, were you about to say where Jawa... Yes, the podcast with Jawas. The podcast where we watch old movies. What is wrong with you guys? What is happening over there? It was a disaster already. (laughs) The podcast where we watch movies and TV shows that John and I loved growing up and the boys make fun of. Before we jump into all that stuff, I'm joined with Kylan. Hi. Chance. Hello. And John. Uh, yep. I was expecting him to do Jawa sounds, not gonna lie. <laughs> also, if you want to reach us for your suggestions or have any input on how the podcast goes, you can find us at bulliedpod at gmail.com. And with that, we're gonna jump into tonight's episode. Today, John and Chance watched Titan A.E. We watched Titan A a week ago. That's right. I was wondering if you guys have watched a different movie. <laughs> yeah. Boys so, Need Moms. <laughs> needs Moms. We should do an episode where... where everyone watches watch a different it. movie? Yeah, and... We're trying to guess what the other person's movie is. Or... Oh my goodness, that's amazing. No, it's awful. <laughs> How do we decide? Do we each pick a movie we want to watch? Or we would let the internet decide somehow? Do you have like a list of movies that it could be on? The so movies that exist? Yeah. <laughs> that are somewhat relevant still, you know? It couldn't be The Shadow. No, I think it's got to be stuff we haven't watched yet. No, because that think, narrows it down too much. It'd no, be too I think, easy. To I think Google should be on the list either way. I just went to the random movie generator website. Okay. 
and I generated a random movie, and we've got Nanny McPhee from 2005. <laughs> Classic. Okay. So, I have a fun story about the movie we are going to talk about. We were about to watch the movie, and I mentioned that I wanted to see the details in the selection so I could see what company made it. And John, went, no, 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 I don't want any spoilers. Even this description is spoilery. And it said something along the lines of, this main character has the keys saving the human race after the Earth is destroyed. And I said, that sentence is so vague, it could mean anything. Hell, it could even be a movie about the main character remaking the Earth. Incredible. <laughs> Chance, what did you think of Treasure Planet? I mean, uh, Titan AE. Oh, I wish we could watch Treasure Planet. Chance, this movie yeah. is just Treasure Planet. Okay, not. hold on. We haven't. <laughs> this movie is just Treasure Planet. Didn't we say it was Titan AE? Yeah. Have we even explained what AE stands for? <laughs> Jans just did in that description. So Titan AE is a movie about the Earth being destroyed and one man escaping Earth with a ship called the Titan. It has the ability to somehow save the human race, is all we know. And so the AE in the title stands for After Earth. The story takes place 10 years after the Earth is destroyed. A group of misfits are trying to save humanity and get that lost ship. This is a Dawn Blue. Recap chance. That was awesome. Hey, you don't have the monopoly on recaps here, buddy. And I was about to ask you a question. Go for it. This is a Don Bluth movie. And we can get into Don Bluth stuff. But Chance, have you seen any Don Bluth movies before this? American Tale. Have you seen American Tale? American Tale? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I've wanted to do a Don Bluth movie since we started this podcast because one of our reoccurring traumas is Land Before Time. Don Bluth made The Land Before Time, but not the sequel. Inspired the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you. Know what you stand for. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of context before we jump into this movie as Don Bluth is super important to pop culture. Back in the late 70s, Don Bluth was part of the young generation of animators at Disney. And they wanted to take things in a new direction. They wanted to try things that were different and new and fresh. But at Disney, there was specific direction. And it often conflicted with trying anything different or new. There's a lot of stuff now where you can see that the reason why Little John in Robin Hood is drawn to be exactly like Baloo from The Jungle Book well, it turns out because they actually just traced Baloo and then added a hat to him. All of the character designs are actually traced on the original drawings. Most of the characters are reused over and over again in each movie. Artists like Don Bluth really pushed back against that and there got to be a lot of arguments and finally Don Bluth threw up his hands and said, fine, I quit, who's coming with me? And that resulted in all the young animators walking. It completely derailed the movie that Disney was working on at the time. 
resulting in the movie taking seven years to make. Kai, what movie was that? Black Cauldron. <laughs> so Don Bluth would go on to make his own studio and he single-handedly would rival Disney. His animated movies were considered on par with Disney. You've got Secret of Nim was his first one, American Tale, Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, Rockadoodle, Thumbelina, Anastasia. There were a couple other ones in there that I'm not going to talk about, but this was his last movie. There is a through line in all of Don Bluth's movies. He has a very specific animation style. And when you know what to look for in Don Bluth, you can see it in all of his stuff. As a matter of fact, there's a weird dinosaur lady in this movie. And her face is drawn exactly like Sarah from Lamb Before Time. This was his last movie, though. Fox Animation was looking to do what everybody else was doing which was a 3D movie. So they came to Don Bluth and said, give us a 3D movie with a fast turnaround. And he said, I can't do that. All I know how to do is 2D. And they said, okay, well, give us a 2D movie with 3D elements. And so that's where they came up with this compromise. This movie would come out on June 16th of the year 2000, on a budget of 75 to 90 million dollars, we're not exactly sure on the amount. It's box office take 36.8 million, a massive loss. Did you like this movie, Chance? I couldn't tell if it looked good or not. In every scene, there'd be like, oh, that was animated cool. And then like two frames later, there was something that just looked ugly. This movie just felt so strange to look at that it really distracted me throughout it. I mean, to be fair, the animation for its time, it works well in specific situations. Usually when it's flat backgrounds, you know... You're you, talking about the 3D graphics. Yeah, yeah. If there was like a background that had a 3D object and that object was staying still... It looked really good. John, how was it revisiting this movie 24 years later? I mean, I had only remembered a couple of things. I remembered the betrayal, and I remember one of the fake out death scenes. Kai, what was your take on this movie? It's good, but it's Treasure Planet before Treasure Planet. Yeah, Kai said to me, oh, this is Treasure Planet. And I looked on my phone and I was like, this came out two years before Treasure Planet. Both movies are about a rebellious character who is missing a strong father figure in their life. So they go on space adventures with a man who ends up betraying him along with his crew to steal the treasure that the main character had a map and was the only one who could read the map. And then as it turns out, in the end, the father figure turns around and decides that, yeah, he is going to help the rebellious main character. You're not wrong. Chest. Yeah, but that's because they stole it from Treasure Island. Okay, before we go any further, I'll read everybody the characters, and then we'll know what we're talking about. Kale is the main character. Kale like salad? Yeah, it's, it's salad. an awful name. Akima is the girl. Corso is the father figure. 
Stith is the big leg lady. <laughs> I would call her a kangaroo. Yeah, kind of like a kangaroo. Preed was the name of the guy who betrayed them. And Gun was the name of the little lizard boy with glasses. Turtle? Sure. He was on the shelf. We don't know. He was wearing a jacket. He's wearing clothes. He gets hit by a grenade, John. <laughs> yeah, that's how he survived the grenade. Yeah. He went inside jacket a shell. shell. For the listeners, Kale, also the name of a green, um, <laughs> is voiced by Matt Damon. Yep. And... Akima, the female lead, is voiced by Drew Barrymore. Which, we like to circle back to previous episodes, Drew Barrymore was, was in our... in one of our episodes as a co-star. <laughs> That's right, a guest host. Re-listen to all of them. That's how you'll find her. Yeah, she's in one of them, I swear. <laughs> also, Especially she... Disney Descendants episode. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't hear her, listen to it again. Just to be safe. <laughs> For listeners who didn't watch her Descendants episode... Turn this one off. And yeah, yeah. Go to that one, please. Chance agreed to watch all of the Descendants, if we can get double our highest ranking video and views. Drew Barrymore was in Batman Forever, and the voice of Corso, the father figure in this movie, is Bill Pullman, Lone Star, in Spaceballs. What's Starbucks? Oh! In this movie, there's an alien race called the Dredge, who are beings made of energy, and they see the human race as a threat, so they destroy the Earth. And so then they're hunting our cast of characters for the entirety of the movie, trying to stop them from finding the Titan. And they're done in computer graphics, which... I think was a good use of computer graphics at the time. There were scenes where the graphics held up pretty well. And I think, despite what you said earlier, Chance, the 2D graphics are well done. Don Bluth had an ability to animate human movement more smoothly and cleanly than Disney ever could. When you see one of his characters move, their gestures, everything seems realistic. You're right, some of the stuff looks a little wonky, but you get something really special with his drawings too. The animation is decent in most cases, but Kai turned to me when we were watching it and he said, the music really dates this movie. Top of my list of notes, space teenage grunge angst. This movie was definitely catered to teenage boys. They were going for something outside of Disney's usual target audience. Don Bluth's movies were always a lot darker than Disney movies were. There's death in Don Bluth movies. There was a couple of moments in this movie where Chance was caught off guard, like the chef. Getting vaporized. Getting vaporized. <laughs> he got turned into dentures. <laughs> he did get turned into dentures. Bullseye. <laughs> it's funny because that bug did not have teeth. <laughs> Set your ray guns to denture. That's worse so fast. Like when Preed gets his neck snapped in a total of two seconds and the character is forgotten about. Who snaps his neck? Corso. Right. They get into a fight and just... And he's dead. On screen, mind you. Yeah, name a Disney movie where someone straight up snaps someone's neck. It's 
Also, name a Disney movie where there is a bare bottom. Honey, where are my pants? <laughs> I have a grievance that I want to state. Okay. They mention that the Gredge view human civilization as a threat because of what the Titan can do. But the Titan seems to be purely humanitarian in nature. So what about that makes them a threat? It can make bottlenose dolphins. So... <laughs> Threat. The dredge saw the bottle of dolphins for what they were. <laughs> What's the line from Hitchhiker's Guide? Goodbye and yeah. thanks for all the fish. <laughs> it's in Lilo and Stitch that Earth only survives because they think it's a mosquito national park or something. Oh, right. Yeah. You guys are thinking very binary in this. Everything isn't white or black. It's not how can the Titan be used to destroy the dredge. It's the political favor, the alliances that they could build, if you could make livable planets for species who if needed them. If you could give them. everyone bottlenose dolphins. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the dredge, I think, were worried about their place in the galaxy politically. If too many joined with the Earth, all of a sudden the Earth is extremely powerful. I think Earth is a force to be reckoned with. Because everyone in the galaxy speaks English. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one wants to acknowledge the impact that Earth had on the universe. Nobody knew oh, how to man, speak Earth before. Earth's the word. <laughs> Thanks for the language, though. <laughs> well, and it seemed like Hale could even understand the dredge whenever... Dredge? Like the dredge of the universe. Is that a thing? Dredge is a real word, yeah. It means like the worst or scum. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to Google that. But while I'm Googling that, it seemed like every time the dredge said something like, we're going to destroy the Earth now in subtitles, then Kale would be like, oh my goodness, I got to tell someone. Our version didn't have subtitles. So <laughs> every time the dredge talked, it was just gibberish. Yeah, like the big queen was standing there and she was like, it's like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> She's been talking for a while now. <laughs> Speaking of the dredge, they're completely useless at anything that doesn't involve blowing up planets or turning people into dentures. They trap Kale, and he just kind of phases through the door and then phases into the spaceship and then drives the spaceship out of the colony, and yeah, nobody knows. I turned to Kai and I said, I don't think... They're used to taking prisoners. I don't think that they've ever done that before, or they would have realized that prisoners can just walk out of the cells. This worked so well on the last prisoner. He was a Duracell battery. <laughs> what? Turns out that the word dredge was super popular in 1910. Yeah, of course. But Everybody knew that. I could have told you that. In the year 2020, wherever year we are now, it's, it caps out at 2019. Yeah, it actually stopped being used after 2019. So <laughs> you can imagine in the year 3000s and some, like this is a rare word. Well, and it means clean out the bed by scooping out mud, <laughs> weeds, and rubbish with a dredge. John, I think there are multiple so, definitions. <laughs> so what yeah, you're saying is, is that they were scooping out the rubbish the of the galaxy by destroying yeah. the Earth. 
bring to people's attention an unpleasant or embarrassing fact or incident that had been forgotten, like dredging up the past. <laughs> what? Have you never heard of that? Every time. Every time these aliens show up, they're like, you didn't invite me to Christmas last <laughs> You want to hear some gossip about Jeremy? Stop dredging it up. <laughs> oh, it's the gossip boys. They're back. Yes, um, I did find the dredge to be somewhat of a mixture of the aliens from Independence Day and the aliens from the Beast Wars Transformers TV show. There's a very specific (laughs) reference, John. (laughs) We haven't even done Beast Wars on this podcast, so I guess that reference was just for Josh Braun. Scratch that. (laughs) I think it reminds me of a certain scene in Land Before Time 7. It's going to be them pushing a rock. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of aliens on the show, what do people think of Goon, Preed, and... I thought the kangaroo lady was kind of neat. Goon was boring. Kangaroo lady, I wish they would have done more with her. The part when she beats up a guard by only using her very large legs, because that's what her species is designed to do, was cool. But then they just give her guns the entire show, so she has no reason for them. In comparison, though, Creed was gross, but in a cool way. Like his little wavy arm flaps. What are those about? Why he got those? Why he got those? (laughs) (laughs) It's like skin tags, but bigger. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't remember the arm flaps, and I still don't. So when you describe it like that... (laughs) The Dredge Queen talks about them. (laughs) Yeah, if we had the subtitled version, we would have known that. I think now is as good a time as any to bring up the fact that Dredge also has a definition as to sprinkle powdered sugar. (laughs) So maybe (laughs) when they blasted the Earth with a mega laser, maybe it was just sugar. Yeah. You know how those Dredge do. I just think they're really misunderstood. Yeah, they're just sugar creatures. All we dream of is a land with no humans and powdered sugar everywhere. Yeah, so Chance was talking about the different crewmates on the ship that are aliens based off of Land Before Time characters. This movie is really just an allegory for Land Before Time. (laughs) For Land Before Time 7? Land Before Time. (laughs) Like, I don't know if anyone else noticed it, but all the aliens are just dinosaurs. Except for the cockroach guy and the octopus. All the aliens are dinosaurs. And like you mentioned, him having the same face as Sarah, but in every situation, Freed is a dinosaur slash dog. Goon is a giant turtle, if not just a gecko. They're all dinosaurs, every single one. Makes you want to watch eight more Land Before Time movies, doesn't it, John? Uh, yes. (laughs) What doesn't? (laughs) Are you implying something to I'm certainly not. You know, I've got random things that I've written down on my phone here. At the start of the movie, they're evacuating the Earth because it's about to get blown up. But Kale's dad, who's like the genius inventor behind the Titan, is coming to get Kale. You know, he's not in very much of a rush. I found him to be a very peaceful man, a very calm man. Probably isn't what you need when the world's about to blow up and you're the only chance at saving it. Speaking of people being calm in surprisingly tense situations, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie was, oh, she just needs some rest. 
even though she just got a hole blown through her entire shoulder. This is a thousand no years in the future, man. Not you know why? Generation. Yeah, you know why the dredge were scared of human race? Sleeping fixes everything for us. Humans are like Saiyans in this universe. <laughs> so, oh no, he took another nap. Their powers increased. <laughs> this movie is very good at let's go do this thing. Never mind, it did itself. Example being when Kale got locked in the spaceship and they were going to go rescue him and he saved himself. Or when Akima got locked in the dungeon and then she saved herself. The leading up to them trying to save Akima was really weird. They all got dressed up and they went to go talk to the guard. They go undercover as slave traders to try and get one of the characters back. But it was all for nothing because she escapes on her own pretty much. And also the guard reads through their disguises within 12 seconds. That was maybe my favorite part of the movie. They're pretending to be these slave traders. And the guard is super smart and picks up on everything. Yeah, you didn't do the customary threatening that all traders do when they're from this region. (laughs) And we beat him up and they're like, I didn't expect the guard to be that smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was clever. I think that there were a, a handful of good jokes and witty dialogue in the movie. It was Where are my pants? Have you seen my pants? Hey, honey, where's my pants? No, I mean, even the final dialogue in the end, they essentially recreate Earth. And Akima turns to Kale and she says, what are you going to call it? And he says, I'm going to name this planet Bob. She's like, you can't name a planet Bob. And he's like, well, you don't need to live on Bob if you don't like it. And I just think it's fun and playful and cute. Actually, that scene is hilarious to me because they're looking over the landscape and they're stuck in these PlayStation 2 graphics. <laughs> yeah. And there's no trees or anything. <laughs> it's just like these odd ridges with brown rocks and ocean. And that's it. Can you imagine if the human race had a machine that could create a planet of PS2 graphics? <laughs> or computers can only run with polygons. You just have to stare at PS2 graphics your whole way. <laughs> okay, do you guys have any notes that we haven't gone through? We definitely got the sequence with the angel ghosts. There's like these stingray creatures that are flocking around the ship. In the drive machine. <laughs> I don't really know what purpose this scene serves, but essentially, Kale and the captain are in the ship, and the captain's like, Why don't you take it for a ride? And he's like, What are these manta ray angel ghost things around the ship? He's like, They follow you in deep space. See if you can lose them. So then he tries to do some tricks through the clouds. This scene... It's like at least a minute. No, it's at least three minutes (laughs) of music and us watching the ship try and... I'm in the driver's seat and my aim is true. You don't... I'm in the driver's seat and my aim is true. (laughs) You don't like the surfer bro I think, fish? I think the words are, It's my time to fly! Going on a space ride or something like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like classic late 90s easy rock. Essentially, what would happen is Don Bluth's team would show the Fox representatives the 3D stuff that they had done. And Fox was like, oh my goodness, we need more 3D. So then they do a little bit more and they'd show them to, oh my goodness, we need more 3D. And so it resulted in the budget just inflating exponentially. And they just kept having to insert more of these 3D action scenes. 
This is definitely one of those. It is very long and unnecessary. It's the length of a song. I don't know else that's got no good reason in this movie. Construction <laughs> montage. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's so dumb. Akima and Kale have to race the bad guys to the ship. They are hours behind already, as the show is discussed. Because she slept to heal. Yeah, because she had to sleep. And Kale's like, I can build us a ship that'll get us there. It'll just take me a couple hours. And then they montage a construction. They had time to paint the ship afterwards. <laughs> I don't know how they did all of that and still got there before Corso and his crew. That ship? Well, they knew where they were going. A really weird location that I actually really liked is at one point in time, to continue their wild goose chase, they go to a planet which has the only species incapable of speaking English. And they're kind of weird and cool. They're yeah. like pterodons. They're petries from the land yeah. before time. So they're <laughs> like pterodons. They're like pterodons who wear cloaks. Call it what it is, guys. <laughs> but the planet has these hydrogen trees, which are trees filled with these giant gas balls. And so early in the scene, they're like, don't shoot those or we'll all die instantly. And it's like, oh, okay, the planet's going to absolutely explode. But it doesn't. Instead, the pterodons break the necks of the trees and the bubbles float up and explode in the air to attack the dredge, which is really cool. Yeah, I think that even though John says they're all just dinosaurs, there's a lot of really good art direction and design in this movie. I think that the people who designed all of it did a really good job. So I want to come back to this idea. I talked about this goose chase using a map to find the Titan ship. It's hard to think out like how this map works. Essentially, the dad is fleeing Earth, and so he gives his son a ring, and then the dad flies off with this Titan ship. Kale goes in a rescue ship in a different direction, and the idea is that if you press certain buttons inside of the ring, then that activates it so it lights up Kale's hand, but then the hand has a map that takes him to a planet where he has to show it to the moon, and then that lines certain things up. So somehow all this lines up to get him to the Titan, and then his dad has a hologram there saying, son, I died. Why didn't the dad just take the ring with him? Why didn't the dad make it simple instructions for his son? He's the only person who can use the ring. So I don't know why he would make it super complex directions. Go here, then here, then over there. Better question, why doesn't his dad tell him anything about this ring? What if he just lost it? Oh, yeah. Everything counts on it being perfect. Yeah, right? Like never tells him how to use the ring, and instead tells... Yeah, it's like, Kale, this is a ring that has a map inscribed on it. Keep it very safe. He goes, no, wear this ring. Do it. And, and then, then he, he one of his own tells... military blood will find the kid and know that he has a map inscribed on his ring. Knowing Kale's dad, there's probably like 18 artifacts he gave to his son. <laughs> and every single one of them tells him how to get to the ship. Kale's not an only child. He had 18 <laughs> siblings. All of them got rings. The rest of them didn't make it. The rest of them threw out the ring or pawned it to get lunch. <laughs> yeah. No, now I'm thinking about it. We would see a big throne room with a giant monstrous queen in the center. And it would like... 
you know, and, and it, he would be like, I have to tell somebody. And so I thought he was just saying, I have to tell somebody that this room exists. I need to get out of here. But no, she was saying secrets. She was saying things. We, we just have didn't no have the subtitles. Yeah. What did she say? I'm so curious. Bonnie's arm flaps are actually skin tags. <laughs> <laughs> I need to tell somebody. All of this is an allegory to land before time. All right, John, what else you got? So the captain supposedly sacrifices himself to save the day, but we never really see him die. It was kind of a lackluster sacrifice. I don't know, you see electricity flow through him. Well, no, it shows a montage of both Hale and Carso struggling, and it cuts to Carso putting in his gun before the electricity shoots down on them, and then it cuts to Kale doing his ring thing, and then it cuts to the enemy ship, and then it cuts to Kale, and then it cuts to the enemy ship, and it just never cuts back to Carso. Well, yeah. That was the last we he see of him struggling to put the gun in place. So maybe he lives on PlayStation 2. Maybe he lives on PlayStation oh, 2. Yeah, maybe he lives on Bob. What happened to Titan? Is it still there? Where did the planet summon in relation to Titan? I don't think it summoned they, on top of it. They seem to start a process and then fly away. So presumably Titan would still be usable. I think it used up all of its bottlenose dolphins. You'd have to restock it with whatever type of creatures you wanted to spawn. I don't know if it used up all the dolphins, Ugh. but the energy is definitely gone. Do you think they're PS2 dolphins? <laughs> You see, we took the designs of these <laughs> dolphins from an old PlayStation game 3,000 years ago. Trust me, this will work just fine. I think dolphins went extinct, and so the only remnants they have of dolphins are from PlayStation 2 games. Do you think the Titan could revive dead species? I think that they have Corso's DNA in there. And so Is the this sequel... a planet of Corso dolphins? <laughs> The sequel was going to be them fighting PS2 Corsos. Can they be riding the dolphins? Sure. All right, let's go to closing, folks. Kylan. I just want to point out that that means Planet Bob is a planet of PS2 Jumanji monkeys. <laughs> come back to me. I don't have one. Okay, we're going to come back to him. Let's start with John this time. John, when are you going to watch this movie again? Sorry, I was just reading the thread online about Don Bluth's thoughts on the Land Before Time sequels. <laughs> they're not positive. <laughs> There's no way they're positive. Well, you know, maybe this isn't actually Don Bluth speaking. <laughs> Believe whatever you right, want, John. any other human on the planet. Don Bluth created a work of art with the Land Before Time, and then Universal repackaged it completely devoid of theme, character, emotion, intent, and just but said... But we do have songs about talk and nothing else. <laughs> There's no way he has anything positive to say. All right, well, we only say positive things about the Land Before Time sequels here. <laughs> so you're not going to read any of the Don Bluth quote? <laughs> Read it out. Okay, so uh, we're back on Titan AE. Uh, it was okay. Like I said, I had forgotten most of it, except for the betrayal and the explosion that hurt the kangaroo and the turtle. I remember as a kid that scene feeling really sad because I thought those characters had died. And <laughs> Good impression, Jess. Thank you. <laughs> 
And I remember even as a kid, I knew the characters would survive, but I still felt sad whenever I watched it. Yeah, the movie was okay. Nothing stood out about it to me. I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It's like a zero on chances scale. It's kind of like there's nothing wildly good to talk about and there's not a ton to make fun of. So Interesting. Is that how you feel, Chance? This is a zero? I don't like giving zeros because that's regulated for things like Dougal, but... You think Dougal is a zero? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember recording that episode of the podcast, I yet? think we you need to laugh watch. about it in post, but that was painful. Oh, no, I hate Dougal with the core of all my being. I'm just... My understanding of your scale is that the further you go from center the more interesting of an experience you're going to have. Mm-hmm. So what is but this Dougal movie? is an experience that actively takes away from your lifespan. <laughs> it's true. I think this movie isn't horribly terrible like Dougal, but it is adjacent. So probably a two or a one, most likely a one. Huh. Yeah, everything is just fine. I have an argument for Chance's rating. If he had grown up with Titan AE instead of Treasure Planet, you would love this movie. No. No? No. Why not? Why do you like Treasure Planet more than this movie? Treasure Planet is good. What's good about Treasure Planet? What does Treasure Planet do that Titan AE doesn't? Remember, Treasure Planet is a show that is based off of a well-selling movie and book. It's based off of a book called Treasure Planet. I know that it's a recreation of Treasure Island, which is a recreation of Treasure Island. But the point is, the reason it does well is because it takes from a source material that does well. So what's good about it? Yeah, what do you like about Treasure Planet? Because I do agree with Kai. I wasn't thinking about that, but I would watch this over Treasure Planet nine times out of ten. This is a better movie than Treasure Planet. Oh my goodness. That's so hurtful. No chance. But When's what do you, the last what time you... you watched Treasure Planet? No, that doesn't matter. I do it like once every two years. <laughs> I like on Disney+. Plus. What do you like about Treasure Planet? I like the characters. I like that the way the aliens are designed affects how they interact with the world. Like one guy's a rock, so he floats away into space? (laughs) No. (laughs) That's not what I mean. If you're a guy with pincers for hands and you've got insect legs, your planet is naturally hostile. As they talk about that, that all the species are usually hostile. One girl's a cat, so she falls in love with a dog? Oh my goodness. You cannot qualify this movie as better when Goon yells, Who's your daddy? After getting hit by a <laughs> No, I'm not saying this movie is perfect. Not, not by a long shot. You guys, I get that you're just trying to get under my skin, but objectively you are incorrect. No, I'm just... What do you like about Treasure Planet? Because in all honesty, I, like I think... the soundtrack. I think the movie looks good. I like the characters more. So I can see a case for animation as much as i like what don bluth is able to do with movement treasure planets animation both 2d and 3d is superior because it came years later and they were able to stand on the shoulders of technology from movies like this but the case that the characters are more likable in that movie is just not doing it for me for context here i just showed dad a picture of an angry slug who only makes farting sounds. And if you don't believe me, there's an actual image with subtitles that says angry farting sounds that comes from this alien. You also want to play that the aesthetic of Treasure Planet is way better. 
whereas Titan is all just angry space angst, Treasure Planet goes, how can we do pirates in space, and does it successfully. The reason they're pirate ships is because the sails are big solar panels, and that's how they move around. All of this makes sense, but plays into its own aesthetic. I will say that I do feel spoiled with this recent (laughs) set of movies. I have not had to see a fart joke in a movie in a long time. Chance, your movie has a character that is a fart joke. (laughs) His name is Mr. Snuff, and he speaks flatula. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like Treasure Planet, but the more we're talking the more I hate Treasure Planet. I forget these things. I do not like that movie at all. And the fact that there's a character that is fart jokes is getting under my skin right now. I just want to point out that as much as you qualify this movie as bad, you are no better than me, Mr. Double Dragon. We are both horribly diseased by what we grew up with. He knows Double Dragon is bad. That's the difference. Yeah. Double Dragon's a bad movie, but it's fun. That's why we put it on the podcast. (laughs) Dad's here because he knows he doesn't like good movies. (laughs) So we can hop over to me. Oh, I just want to say I'm on the wiki fandom page. Oh my goodness. For the language flatula. (laughs) And there's different phrases in flatula. There's... What does that mean, Josh? There's also... <laughs> okay. John, you've had enough. <laughs> I said I felt blessed to have not had any fart jokes in movies recently. I don't know how I'm letting so, you give me fart jokes now. John. Don't worry, that translates to a joke in the wiki. <laughs> John, I found some interviews of Mr. Blue. And here, I'll just quote them. In the case of Land Before Time, it's up to what, five or six? And then he responds. Who's counting? It's definitely a cookie cutter thing. Is that your cookie reference for this yeah, movie? Yeah, so mine is a cookie cutter of a dinosaur. <laughs> okay, it all comes back around. I'm impressed, Kai. I was thinking that one through all the way. This movie is not great. It's a 6 out of 10. It's just fun. Well, on your scale, that would translate to a 3 out of 5, which is miles away from the one that you gave it. This movie is just fine. It's not bad. It's not good. But it has a special place in my heart. It did beat a lot of these other movies to the cinema. And I think if we're being honest with ourselves, a lot of them copied or borrowed from it. It tries to do too much. It wants to go on a massive adventure with a bunch of different stops and side plots and side stories in an hour and a half. And that's just not feasible. Everything feels rushed. But I do like this movie. I own it, but I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. I would leave the door open, though. I would watch this movie if someone wanted to. I think it's good. I would certainly rather watch it than Treasure Planet. Okay, anything anybody else wants to say before we close? Oh, we should talk about our next episode for our listeners. Our next episode is going to be another movie that I know is bad, but this is the Batman Forever of Season 2. This is a movie that, despite knowing it's bad, I absolutely love, 
and I would watch it over and over and over again. And that, of course, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze. Okay. Praise Beethoven. Look out for weirdos. When the sun is shining. The ice is slippery. We're We're rotten. Rotten Rotten to to the the core. core. I hate my life. (laughs)